please do your own research. Nothing here is investment advice. So we'll spend a bit of time today talking about the third piece of research, of long-form research that we're publishing on Constellation Software. Uh, give us, give us the, the goods on the genesis of this latest piece. I think this one's been brewing for too long, probably about a year. It stems back, it actually stems back from a hypothesis we had on Transdime, which was that a lot of people I found and still do just claim that the likes of Transdime or Constellation or these kind of serial, these best in class serial acquirers, they they kind of think of them only as like a financial engineering vehicle or like purely M&A. And I've always felt that they somewhat undervalue or underestimate the quality of their operational capabilities, specifically, at, you know, at Transdime and also at Constellation. So part, and I'm still working on the Transdime, same question for Transdime, which is, you know, it's a simple question, which is, okay, you buy these assets, well, what do you, how, what do, you do with them? Walk me for exactly what you t- what's your playbook with these assets once you bought them. Um, how do you operate them? You know, sim- simple question like that. And and we're, and I'm, I'm doing a piece like this on Transdime using Esteline as a case study. Transdime is slightly more difficult because of the the assets are a bit well, they're slightly they're slightly different, or they can be different. Um, and and the constellation piece come out of that hypothesis. And and really, what we found was that once you dive into this in detail, you realize that there is a playbook that they use. And that playbook can be distilled down into five metrics effectively. And it took us a while to actually get, you know, hard evidence of these of these metrics after speaking to and getting them validated and speak speak to many executives. But I think we, we eventually got there. And it's not and, and what's particularly interesting about this is that everyone knows that when Constellation buys a business, it restructures its PL. Of the, so when it buys an operating company, it restructures the PL of the, of that VMS business into you know, into four revenue lines, which is the revenue lines that they report, right? Which is professional services, you know, maintenance, license, and, and hardware. You know, those kind of four typical uh, software revenue lines, um, and 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 they do that for their opcos, but what I always and in the, in, in the and they and they report that in their consolidated accounts. So if you if you crack open Constellation's accounts, you'll see that those four lines, right? And you can model out the 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 growth of uh, and then they show the organic growth of each of those. And when they come when it comes to their costs, they just put staff, right? <laughs> Which is obviously the main cost of, of a software businesses. And they have a bit and some and they, and they kind of have like they they break out every cost all the other cost lines right so staff will be the majority of the of the of the opex and they'll break out like third party products and overheads and insurance all that kind of stuff but what they don't tell you is that how they operate it is they also do the same thing for the cost base they will they will have individual headcount for professional services not for sales and marketing for gna right and so when they when they buy an operating company that's what they'll do they'll break that out and then they'll, what they'll do is they'll make sure that they're optimizing. So every every dollar of professional service revenue has to cover the professional services costs by a certain ratio. And they've got thousands of data points or over a thousand data points from their you know, thousand transactions 
to refine those metrics to, to which you know which shows them what when have you got a best in class VMS business? Well, when it hits these metrics and you've got all these revenue lines hidden covering those those certain cost lines. So I think that was a bit of a yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting insight if you are operating one of these businesses to understand how Constellation thinks about what an optimal cost structure looks like. And it took us, you know, six to 12 months to get there, but I think it's pretty interesting. Mm, I think longer than that. Mm. What um, What's next for Constellation and VMS? In terms of, in terms of questions that, that animate you? Mm. I don't know. I guess there's always a question about the end game here, right? Not only for consolation, but there's so many of these companies doing this. So I think exploring more of the competitive landscape is one thing we'll continue to do. Look at some of these, as many different flavors of this model, these private companies that are doing something, something like consolation, but not consolation. Um, to try to understand that a bit more in terms of the actual impact on IRRs and, and, and future returns on, on capital is pr probably the number one question. Um, yeah, so that would always be something that I'd be exploring for until Mark Leonard goes and buys a aftermarket aerospace business. <laughs> that would be the day. How much would that surprise you? <laughs> Not at all. Excellent. So yeah, competition, that's a big one. And then maybe there's a there's a you know there's there's, there's always exploring. Um, I'm going to do some work on VTech as well, which is the Swedish VMS business that they they focus a lot more on organic growth. So they do a lot. Constellation is purely decentralized. You know they they let these opcos or business units operate pretty autonomously, and whereas VTech has taken more of the the, the strategy of you know, I'm a I'm a software specialist, therefore I'm going to operate these software businesses. So, so for example, they will they will share that they I think they own a data center and they'll share they'll share capacity between their opcos to save a bit on the cost instead of running instead of each opco running AWS, for example. Um, so there is you know, and VTech's obviously done done very well. It's a fraction of the size of Constellation, but so I think exploring some of these. In terms of the avenues of where we can go with this, what I'm curious about is competition and impact on on, on future or, or incremental returns on capital for cons for consolation or just in the space more, more broadly, and in exploring in more detail the different flavors of of rolling up VMS, you know, VTech being one of them, which is more on the operational side, and then some of these other private players and what they do. You know, Visma's one in, in in the Nordics, which is which is pretty interesting. And a lot of these other companies obviously focus much more on organic growth. So they, yeah, I guess they at least think or are software specialists, and 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 so claim to buy higher organic growth. And I've always been, I think that's always kind of like an interesting question. Like when you're speaking, when I, when I'm speaking to these companies, and frankly, when I'm speaking to most most of these serial acquirers, that that's what I appreciate a lot about Roco. And Frederick at Rocco is like he he's crystal clear in his mind, you know. There's value in that. There's huge value in that. And I I I would prefer I, I thought about this a lot. And unless you've got a track record of like operating these businesses, like or, you know, if, if if you're Transdime or 
or, or frankly consolation or done her, you know, then you've done this, right? You've proven it. And but even, but by then it's too late anyway, like the more, everyone knows it, right? So, but how do you handicap someone? If I come to you and tell you I'm going to roll up something and I'm going to operate these and I've never done it before, you're not going to give me any money, right? It's not going to work. So there's almost like a, there's a pure, and we spoke about those, about the purity of some models. Well, because we're also, I mean, just while we're on this, you know, on, on Danaher and DBS, and, you know, we, we've published on the history of DBS, Danaher's history, we're, we're deep, you're deep into that right now, you know, it's, how long did it take for DBS to emerge in its current form? Yeah, but, but also if you think about what, so Danaher has gone through this crazy journey of, you know, now it's, now it's basically a fully fledged life sciences business. Right, and it's got all its, you know, it's it's not, it's 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 not. I mean, it is diversified, but it's kind of not diversified, right? So it's it's come full, well, not full, it's, you know, it's done a it's done a it's done a one eighty, right? It started off as a hold co, and the Rouse brothers, you know, were doing financial engineering in the early days. Then they realised that they could actually just adopt lean, you know, they were early adopters of of the Toyota lean machine. In the, in, in the US and realized they could tidy up and buy these industrial businesses and just, you know, create alpha or generate return there. And that was how they earned their money effectively. And they would just redeploy it and diversify into all industrial businesses. Now they've gone and, you know, they've really changed their, they haven't changed. They're still deploying DBS in life sciences, right? It started with Beckman Coulter and they've gone on a diagnostics and then have, now they've gone into like full, full life sciences and they're buying, they're they're paying up for for these life sciences assets, you know, and in in and and they're doing like gene therapy stuff, and they're actually a fully fledged all across the bioprocessing value chain. You know, they're paid up for these. They paid twenty x for Aldebaran, I think 20, 20 times revenue, not earnings. Right? That would have that's that would have that would have never happened before. The Rouse brothers would never done that in the early. 90s or 80s so so it, it's 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 even for that I, you know I'm, I'm gonna do a bunch of what I need, I need to just I need to catch up massively on that whole in Sartorius and and and, and Danaher and that's a lot of work I'm gonna do in Q4 will be around that I think but but that's a it's a different business now you're like you're actually making a bet on life science you're making a bet first on life sciences which I think everyone you know I think everyone agrees it's a good industry, right? And and they're effectively trying to be a toll on medical innovation and and take a kind of you know clipper clipper coupon at every start stage of the process. As a as a as a you know CRO CDMO doing the manufacturing of the biologics, doing the reagents, doing the distribution, like all of that kind of stuff. So it's it's not. You know, it's not diversified as it used to be. So they've gone 180 into, and, and so and so. What, when you buy Dunaher now, what are you buy? Well, you're paying a premium. They're paying a huge premium. They pay, they bought 20x. They paid 20 times revenue for a business. Well, like they better be sure they bought the right thing. So you're putting a premium now, and you're betting on them operating life sciences assets. That's very different to what Transdime and, you know, you bet you're making Constellation Transdime or, or, or Frederick at Roco. And it's like, 
you know, forget it doing that. I'm just going <laughs> to, well, I want to sit back and you know, buy these things and let them do the work. And, I, and I, I appreciate that. I think there's a purity to that. I mean, I feel much more confident with like Frederick. I, I know what I'm going to get with him, right? <laughs> if someone starts telling me they're going to get all synergies and do all this, like I, I, I kind of get worried. <laughs> so unless you obviously, that's kind of what, how I see this in my mind is like a, there's like the, the purity angle they call it of the, you know, it's never fully pure, right? But I think I call Roko in my mind is like, well, I, I think actually Berkshire is probably the purest, right? In terms of what, what, what Buffett done there. But but Roko, I think he's is, is trying to, is leaning towards what Berkshire is and like this pure decentralized, I buy these assets and let them run it. That's it. I'm not involved. As a 10-year put call and, and I do the succession, that would be it. And then there's like everything else on the spectrum to that. And then you get like the 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 Dunahers and all these businesses that are now rolling up companies and actually call themselves operators or are operators and and they and they are operating these businesses to drive synergies. But there's a lot more, you know, traditionally where MA goes wrong is when you think you're gonna get synergies. <laughs> you know? So and you don't get them. And you pay you think you're paying 10x pro forma and you're actually paying, you know, 15x or so I think. Finding when I look at these serial acquirers, that kind of framework tends to be, or what I look for is, does the person running the whole code know what they are, <laughs> or at least, or can they communicate clearly about what what they're doing? And that's why it was quite quite refreshing to hear Frederick. It just like tells you straight as an arrow, like what is what he's doing. You know, some people don't like it but at least he knows exactly what he's doing. That, that, that is a, a really marked distinction that, that you see with him. How many businesses have you seen that have managed to successfully play more of an operational integration, more of an, more of an active role in creating value? Well, there are many out there, right? But it's, it's also just, it's harder. I guess you notice them slightly later. And they probably get more expensive then because they're proven. And you know, the question I'm more interested in is how do you notice these businesses earlier on in their life cycle? You know, when they're not consolation software trading at 30 foot. Not that not that you can't earn a decent return when you do that, but I think what's harder to do is when you when you are when these guys are claiming they are operational, they create operational value. It takes a lot of reps for them to prove that and to prove that in the numbers, right? And then by then it probably gets more perfectly priced. So it's a lot harder to it's a lot harder to handicap that. And also just a lot can go wrong because frankly, it's hard to execute stuff. It's hard to operate stuff. That's the hardest part. You know, and I look at these VMS things, I'm like, well, you know. You don't have to be Buffett to realize if you buy recurring revenue at five, six times EBIT, it's going to be a good deal, right? <laughs> you know, the question is, is it actually recurring? <laughs> you know? If you tell me you're going to get, you know, you're paying six times earnings, well, that's good. If someone's going to operate for you, make sure it stays recurring. <laughs> you know? That's the hard part. Not you sitting around looking at the fucking, not looking at the accounts and then buying it. <laughs> the hard part is actually running it. So finding people to, to run these assets is what is actually the, that's the kind of art of this. 
you know, marrying the captain, it's obviously very, very rare that the, the person running it is also the guy who allocates the capital. It doesn't have to necessarily be the same person all the time. But I personally think that the running these things is much more difficult. Typically, and, and, and I'm, you know, I even think it's hard. Well, th this is why I've studied VMS so much. The least hard business to run is VMS, mission critical VMS. But actually, when you start then getting into, you know, we went to the Nordics. Remember all the stuff that those guys are rolling up. I mean, the complexity in some of these industrial businesses that you can roll up and look for synergies in, I, you got to be really, really damn good. Yeah, I'm always a bit wary when I when I hear. Maybe it's just my own personal bias, but. Well, it's legitimately just a, a lot of harder. To, it's a lot harder to do over extended periods of time. Yeah, it's like some. There's not more points for doing hard stuff necessarily, right? <laughs> right. You don't get a bonus for doing the hard stuff. I mean, you know, I think if you're gonna, that's why. I, and I think um, Mark Leonard made a comment around Transdime. I have to dig it out, but I think he said that. I think he said that Transdime was a higher quality business than VMS. Because of the fact that actually those those sole source parts that Transdime owns are effectively de facto monopolies, and there are typically other businesses out there that compete with these VMS businesses. Although there might be not be many, but there are. You know, it takes a lot more money to replicate a sole source part on a Boeing seven three seven than to build some VMS for a golf club in Scotland. <laughs> if you really wanted to do, what would you rather? What would you rather enter? <laughs> FAA, FAA licensing for a for a for a nut that that might yeah no it's it's a different game exactly. it's a different game so yeah I wonder wonder if we see him one one day dip his toes in the aftermarket it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs>